Okay. Hallelujah. People ask me what the P is for. I said, Penny, I had these custom tailored. <laughs> P for Penny. Penny is my first love and my mom is my second love. That's how you do it, boys. Amen. Jerusalem, Judea, into the outer ends of the earth. Glory. Jerusalem represents your, your family. If anyone doesn't take care of their family, Paul says they're worse than an unbeliever. That's why I just blow hundreds of thousands of dollars on them annually. Just a bottomless pit, you know what I mean? Hallelujah. Meet me where I am. <laughs> In a good way. People need the provider to know their love, don't they? That's actually the main thing. People are like, what's the main thing I need to touch? No, it's money. Money? Oh, I'm too holy to talk about money. I never donate. Got a withholding spirit like Ananias and Sapphira. But actually, the number one thing that blocks people from believing in God is money. And not like in a bad way, like in a good way. You need to know Him as your provider. He'll provide money for you. He'll give you money. He doesn't withhold like Ananias and Sapphira. He's not a graveyard just robbing you and stealing from you like Judas Iscariot. He's the creator of wealth. The Old Testament actually says that I have given you the ability to create wealth. And I'm not into, like, you know, greed. I'm not into covetousness. But I am into prosperity because that's actually how you're saved. By grace. Grace means divine favor. If you're into a poor gospel, you're into religious gospel, how many of y'all know you're in the graveyard? Valley of Dry Bones. And it's about knowledge and performance. Works and knowledge. Which is Satan. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you're in that tree, you got to come over to the knowledge of the glory. The tree of life is the knowledge of the glory. You eat revelation off the tree of life all day long, and you don't earn it, you know. It's all a gift. It's all grace. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. No one's done anything in their performance, in their effort, even in their knowledge, in their ability, in their humanity, to earn one thing from God. It's a gift. Salvation's a gift. Prosperity is a gift. Healing is a gift. Revelation, every revelation is a gift. God loves giving gifts. He says it's more blessed to give than to receive. To give revelation like gemstones of Mount Zion, like living coals of fire, fiery coals of the seraphim, and to put them into people's souls so it illuminates their souls. Be illuminated in the eyes of your heart by the gospel and your heart starts to burn with the light of salvation, it is written. It's called the light of the gospel, the light of salvation, the city on a hill, and it cannot be hidden. Should I hide it under a bushel? You know, don't hide it. Let your light so shine before all men. Oh, he's prideful. He's prideful. He's let No, he's letting his light shine before all men. Just because you don't have that much light, don't be at strife against that much light. Because if you judge someone's light, you cut yourself off from light and you stay dim. And you stay in the graveyard. So you have to get over the strife by the favor of the Lord, which is grace. You get over all strife. Men are at strife in competition to other men. I got a three-car garage. I only have a two-car garage. <laughs> I'm not as good as my neighbor. And stupid crap like that everywhere. Everywhere. Every day. Oh, my neighbor bought a boat that's five feet longer than my boat. Look at my neighbor's new barbecue. 
It's a foot wider than my barbecue. Strife. Satan divides the nations by competition and strife. I know you guys never dealt with it, but you know some people that did, that they'll actually be at envy and strife against someone that's got a nicer thing in the natural realm, even a nicer ministry, a nicer apostolic gift or prophetic gift. <laughs> I know you guys never sinned in the sin of strife. You never murdered your neighbor in pride, but I know you probably met some people that have. And so you need the favor of the Lord to melt that strife when you start ministering to those other people that are the sinners out there, but you're perfect, you know? You don't need it. It's for others. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's good. I'm glad to be here today. Today was the greatest grace I've ever experienced in my life. Why? We go from glory to glory. Not lying. I don't exaggerate here. We have crazy stuff happen to us every day, and it's a wonderful crazy. It's not mental illness crazy. It's a wonderful living in the awe of God because we go from glory to glory. Why? Because we've sacrificed everything in our heart for Jesus. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Revelation 3.20 If anyone lets me in, I'll have fellowship with him. I'll begin feasting with him in the hidden place of the heart, in the cleft of the rock, in the secret stairway of the heart, in the secret place. If anybody lets the Lord Jesus into their heart. People let the Lord Jesus into their heart but there are a lot of areas or a lot of tables in their heart that haven't been overturned. I see it every day and people are like trying to hide it from me. I can see the tables that are not overturned. Not that I see perfectly, but the God in me, I am whom I serve, sees perfectly. He's the seven eyes and the seven horns, the seven spirits of God sent out through all the earth. He does see perfectly. We're possessed with the omniscient one. Omniscient means all knowing. He is The omniscient one is in us. So he'll just come right out and say stuff to people and they'll be shocked every day. How did you know? Come and listen to a man who told me everything I've ever did. Oh, you had five husbands and the one you're living with is not your husband right now? Woman with what? I mean, that was everything you ever did? Was chasing men? A gold digger? Looking for Zion? Looking for the streets of gold? That's all you ever did in your whole life and she's on her sixth husband? Wow. Interesting, huh? You can bring like two sentences and, and sum up entire people's 50 years on earth, according to the Bible. John chapter 4, woman at the well. It's not complicated. It's sacrificial. You don't need to overcomplicate things with your two cents of your knowledge, of your brain. You can trust the Father in His childlike simplicity. Now, the Father is an adult, but he's also a perfect child in his innocence and in his purity. He lets the children play in a good way. Those who enter the kingdom enter like little children. Doesn't say like 12-year-old children, but like little children, like 3-year-olds, 4-year-olds, 5-year-olds that haven't, or maybe even 1-year-olds, 2-year-olds that haven't learned to walk or talk yet because you have to relearn how to walk and talk in the presence after you're born again. That's how you enter the kingdom. You have to relearn even your motor skills. I'll be walking in such insane glory increases that I'll have to relearn how to drive my car. Like I forget how to drive. 
I mean, that's happened to me like a thousand times in the last 20 years, going from glory to glory, where the increase of His presence and His power and His anointing and His glory and His signs and wonders and His atmospheres of angels around my spirit life in intimacy with the Father in my heart will be so intense that my body is practically paralyzed. When I got born again, I was struck paralyzed for two hours. Couldn't move. Paralysis felt lightning and, and a cracking of an eggshell over my soul. And it literally cracked and fell off my soul and then water began pouring out my eyes. And I couldn't open my eyes because everything was so bright. Pastors saw what was going on with me and the four pastors came over, carried me hand and foot in a state of paralysis after this egg hatched off my soul. It was like a, a shell hatching, like scales falling off my eyes. I literally felt a physical eggshell crack and it was a dragon egg. I'd lived in the belly of the red dragon. I'd lived in the kingdom of hell. And I had to be hatched out of hell into heaven. That's how I was born again. October 15, 1999. The Bible talks about scales falling off the eyes and the brooding mother hen brooding over Jerusalem. And Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit brooding over the waters in the deep. There's a brooding and there's a hatching. If you haven't felt the hatching, you will. You'll feel layer upon layer being peeled off like snake skin out of your soul. That's Great Awakening. It's layer to layer of soil of the world coming out of your heart by the springs coming up from your belly. Christ in you pushes out he who's in the world. We've let he who's in the world into our five gates, our five natural senses, but through intimacy with Jesus Christ in the secret place of our heart, we push all the world, all the lust of the eyes, all the lust of the flesh, all the pride of knowledge and the pride of performance out of our hearts to be filled with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's how we reach full spiritual stature is just getting all the dead things we've let into our five natural gates out, you know, by the greater one who's in us. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who's in you. And where is he? In you. In your rich treasury of glory, out of your belly flowing rivers. But of this he spoke of the Holy Ghost, John 7, 38. So the river of the Holy Ghost out of your innermost being wax all the lust and the pride, all the roots of bitterness, all the roots of pride, all the roots of adultery, all the roots of evil, all the love of money, and it removes all the world of Satan and the great dragon and the false prophet and the beast out of your stomachs and out of your heads into the lake of fire. It's a lake of fire because it's the cleansing of the nations by the river of life, and the river of life is a river of fire. It's a river of glory. It's a river of Shekinah. It's a river of Zoe life. It's not like the Mississippi River. No, 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 no. It's the Holy Spirit River. Even though Mississippi is Ojibwe for Holy Spirit River. <laughs> and, and we're at the headwaters here in Minnesota. Amen. God set this thing up from the foundation of the world for never-ending revival to hit North America, hit Minnesota, hit Minneapolis, hit all the USA, and hit all the world. This is no coincidence. As you awaken, you'll see the sovereignty of the Spirit of Grace. But He's in the lowest place. He comes as a servant. He's not like this, you know, too high and mighty apostle of a super ministry that you can't get close because he's got bodyguards. They're wearing M16s and he's got, you know, all these limousines around him. That, that's not how Jesus comes. 
You know, I mean, he'll come on the donkey sometimes. You'll see him driving around in his Ferrari. But most of the time, he'll come in the most humble way where unless you're humble, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. He's a king, and he works in royal power, and all the silver and gold belongs to him. But what he loves to do, since he's the creator of heaven and earth, is have fun with you and help your mind go deeper in his spirit, which is true freedom and abundant life. The natural realm is important, too, for taking care of the body taking care of people's needs, but it's not as important as taking care of your spiritual needs. That's the priority, taking care of your belly, taking care of your spirit, taking care of your spiritual stomach, taking care of your rich treasure of glory, taking care of your innermost being, taking care of the hidden person of the heart, because out of the heart proceed the issues of life, and if you don't deal with the heart, then they'll never have life. They'll never have the divine life, they'll never know God, they'll never be in the glory. It'll just all be external religions sealed without the revelations of the anointings of the prophets and the apostles. And there are tremendous amounts of anointing coming forth now. This word is more open and the seals are wide open than ever before. I would encourage everybody to spend as much time as you can in the New Testament. Also the Old Testament. Old Testament's wonderful for wisdom. A lot of parables, a lot of riddles, a lot of dark speech but really hitting Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Revelations, as much as you can, feasting. I, I recommend the Amplified Classic because it goes into the depths of the Greek and the Hebrew, and you, you'll want the Revelation. It's, it's spelled out in a way for your understanding and the illumination of your heart. There's a lot of cryptic stuff in the King James and the NIV and the NASB and the other translations are cryptic. The Passion Translation's okay, the Message Translation's okay, but the best, the best of the best of the best, that every powerful apostle I know that is a true apostle in the world, 100% across the board, worldwide, recommends the Amplified Classic because it's the strongest meat for revelation of the Word available in the world. Don't get the new Amplified. They revised it in 2015 and it's watered down and it took away a lot of the real powerful revelations that were in there. Get the Amplified Classic. All the Amplified before 2015. They're all over Amazon. I got 20 of them in my house. We actually shipped one to Costa Rica because they couldn't get it down there. It took them two months to get it. But he finally got it. I couldn't believe that. Hallelujah. It's real, real easy just to go online, isn't it? Bible Gateway. Start eating the Word. Do you guys have the audio Bible? I've shared the audio Bible, the Zondervan Amplified, because it's not available anymore. We had the CDs from like, you know, 2001 or something, and we ripped all the CDs and put them in a zip file so you could download them and just put the audio Bible on repeat. Start feasting the Word. The reason why I have so much revelation is because I've spent over 50,000 hours in the Bible. And I put it into my belly and it pops like popcorn out of intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in my heart. If you're not spending time in the Bible, there's zero chance God can use you. Because He only works through the Word and He illuminates the Word out of intimacy in your own heart. Revelation, the rhema, living Word, is the product of putting the Logos, the written Word, into your belly, eating bread. Jesus called it eating bread. So you put the Logos written word into your belly and you stir it up by intimacy with the Father in your heart and it comes alive and it shoots up fireballs into your mind and your mind rises like a hot air balloon. That's how you go from glory to glory, by revelation alone. 
There is no way to go into higher levels of anointing, strength to strength, or glory, glory to glory, except by divine prophetic revelation. Prophetic just means alive. If it's not prophetic, it's not even alive. It's not a living word. It's not a rhema word unless it's prophetic, meaning everything that eventually will come out of your belly will be prophetic, living bread, living revelation. 100% of the time, it's called the voice of many waters, out of your belly flowing rivers, out of your belly flowing God's words. The tongues of fire will come out of your bellies in rivers of, ty- of fire tongues, laughing tongues of fire. Acts chapter 2 is an example of a normal son of God, Jesus, helping his friends out by giving them the river of tongues of fire. We look at that as the pinnacle of Christianity. That's the very beginning, the first day, and we go from glory to glory as a body of Christ for the last 2,000 years. If Pentecost is the pinnacle, you are utterly backwards and clueless. That's the first day that we were handed the torch from our big brother. Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Hebrews chapter 1, it is written. So we took the tongues of fire, we took the river of fire, we took the living word, the rhema word, the understanding, the unfolding and the unveiling of the scripture, and we began walking in it. That's how the church was birthed, in the tongues of fire, in the river of life, in Acts chapter 2. And every generation since then has carried a torch of his presence, which is the wine, and of his word, which is the bread. And you take the word, and you take the wine, and you eat it, and you eat it until it becomes your flesh. The Word is made flesh. We're the living epistles read of all men. Amen? Paul says, you are living epistles. Now, obviously Paul is, since he wrote 90% of the New Testament. So he doesn't really need to talk about himself, although he does all the time. He mentions over 20 times, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle. And we're like, no titles, bro. Well... Paul used titles. The issue with you is the church is so immature, they stumble over it and they get puffed up in pride every time they hear Apostle or Michael the Archangel, Gabriel the Archangel, and all the big things of the Kingdom of Heaven. They don't have the humility to walk in any of it yet, so it's better to use intercession mantle. You know, If you want to be an Apostle, call yourself an intercessor for years and let people wake up You know, until you have such a, a root system through so many people's hearts and such a network not of the natural, you know, this ain't natural ministry, supernatural ministry, but of the supernatural kingdom realm of the tree of life spreading through hearts in the roots of David. That's actually how you heal the nations. Seed time and harvest, multiplication of the fruitfulness of your own heart, of the word of God and the fruit of God, and the fruit of God is what produces the wine of God. The wine of God is costly. The drunken glory will cost you every idol and every bit of adultery in your heart. Specifically, immorality. It will cost you every drop of lust if you want to stay loyal to the oil and faithful to the wine. People mock it, side dish. No, it's the wine of His love. I mean, God is love. It's God Himself. The blood of the new covenant. You're drinking Jesus. When you drink Jesus' blood, you're drinking His glory. You're drinking His presence. You're drinking His power. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Drink it whenever you remember me, whenever your mind is fixed on me. How many times does he say, fix your mind on Jesus? Keep it fixed all the time. Spiritual blinders, you know, have no other gods or have let nothing be captivating your mind. Let nothing be controlling your mind except Jesus, lest you go astray, lest you go into idolatry. And the greatest idol is a man or a woman, so that's why we stay drunk, so we keep 
the main thing the main thing because it's all about the cup. Jesus offered the world the one formula solution. Drink the wine of my love and the overflow of your love will heal the nations. And it's like no one wants to do that. They'll do it a little bit. They get persecuted. Jezebel shuts them down. They go back into bondage. They're like, dry religion. Meet you in the graveyard at midnight. Meet me where I am. I'm in the graveyard. We'll see you in the cemetery at midnight. Hallelujah. No, have a drink and come out of the graveyard, come out of the dry bones into the land where they drink the new wine and have abundant oil, abundant harvest, and everyone's chariot wheels drip with fatness. Amen. The promised land's been open for 2,000 years. It's just in the cup. And you drink it until there's no other reality you're living in, spirit, soul, mind, and body, except Jesus' reality. It's called awakening, to being seated in Christ, at the right hand of God, in Zion, seated with Christ in heavenly places. Amen? You have been seated with Christ in earthly, unspiritual, dry places. No. No, that's, that's religion. You've been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. What, what are the heavenly places? In Greek, it actually says, above the heavenly sphere, where the angels are. The heavenly sphere. Satan took Jesus up into a high and lofty mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. That's where you're seated, but not through Satan and his temptations, but through Jesus Christ, who's overcome the world. Be of good cheer, I have overcome. <laughs> so we use everything Jesus is as our high priest and apostle of our faith, and we go into higher realms that we know nothing about. Your greatest enemy is your knowledge. Knowledge will cut you off from spiritual growth 100% of the time and false revelation thinking you know, but you lack the glow. It's not about knowing, it's about glowing. And once you're a little child that knows how to glow and flow in the river, then your mind's illuminated and you can speak rivers of tongues of fire out of your spirit. But of this he spoke of the spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost, that he has given those that he sent from his presence without measure. Amen. And He has made us as the oracles of God. Not just me. Every member of Joel's army. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're learning how to walk in the glory, talk in the glory, and the glory is only on the top of the mountain, meaning you're going to have to overcome religious people every step of the way. I'm telling you, that higher, that higher glory stuff, that's kundalini spirit. You know, that Toronto blessing, that drunken glory, that John Scotland stuff. That's a demon. You know, and that's blasphemy because that's actually the glory of God. It's just only on the top of the mountain does anyone ever know the glory. And the knowledge of the glory will cover the earth. So unless people overcome the world, overcome their natural senses, overcome their religious ideas, over control, over, overcome their mind and renew their mind, you will never know the glory. The renewing of the mind is what takes you from glory to glory by direct revelation from the apostles and prophets. The word apostle means special messenger. I believe right now there's the most apostles and prophets on earth that there's ever been in all time. The issue is that you're, as an apostle, you're an intercessor, which means you need to learn how to plow the foul ground. You're working in the spiritual stomach and the root system of the nations and the cities, and that's why you have such a hard time. God's entrusted you with the hardest job in existence in the kingdom of heaven, plowing the foul ground of people's stomachs, and they're full of devils. They're full of demons. They're full of the roots of bitterness. They're full of sewage. They're full of false revelation. They're full of Satan. 
And so you, you're combating and wrestling that stuff out by convincing and persuading people's minds to change their inner man to agree with the Word. And you're expounding on the Word. You're making the Word alive and active and energized. And it's just no longer a dead letter. It's no longer just on the pages. You're putting so much of the oil press, so much of the wine press, of your intimacy, of your marriage covenant, of your adulthood, with walking with the Father in the kingdom of heaven. And you're putting that and imparting that into their own spirit life so that the Word is illuminated in their hearts and the Word recreates their souls. The Word illuminates the soul. The Bible is the key to the healing of the universe, to the healing of the nations. Who's King of kings and Lord of lords? Revelation says, the Word of God. That's why you cannot be in full-time ministry unless you have a commanding authority of the Word. I mean, you cannot overeat the Word. Spend thousands and thousands of hours eating it, and not for your head, but for your spirit. Put it in your belly. Eat bread. Eat bread. I'm the bread that's come down from heaven. What? Does someone go to the marketplace and buy bread? And they were just carnal. No. This word is supernatural. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the earth. He created the moon. He created the stars. He created the sun. He created the heavens with this word. This word. The written logos of God created the heavens and the earth. The Logos is the Word of God. The Logos is Jesus Christ. And when the Holy Spirit came on Him, He was the Rhema. The Rhema has to come on your Logos. The Rhema, the, the white dove, the Holy Spirit, has to come on all the Bible that you put in your stomachs, that you put in your bellies, and it becomes a treasure house. A rich treasury of glory. What is the rich treasury of glory? The Word of God in your bellies on fire. If the Word's not on fire, it's a sealed Word and you're actually ministering demons and witchcraft to people trying to manipulate and control them by your puffed up prideful knowledge. You're a sorcerer of Babylon. You're a warlock of Christianity. Truth in you. Now if that Word is fire, then you're a true minister of the Gospel. We minister tongues of fire. If anyone ministers white tongues of religion, they are a warlock and a son and daughter of Satan. Amen? And let them be blinded. In the book of Acts, when the Apostle Paul confronted the sorcerers of religion, he blinded them and a dark cloud came upon them. Simon the sorcerer. Bar Simon Bar-Jesus the sorcerer. Over and over, confronting the warlock, confronting the witch. And they were always the religious stronghold that would blind people's minds from the power of the Holy Spirit illuminating in their hearts the Gospel of God. And so the apostolic nature just takes it out. <laughs> and guess what? The apostolic nature is God is love. That's the love of the Father taking out the enemies of your mind. Taking out the things that blind your mind from receiving the favor of the Lord into your souls, into your mind. So that you're still at envy and strife and comparisons, factions, divisions, making Christianity about me instead of the Father's kingdom. That's a guaranteed one-way ticket to destruction if you're trying to build your own ministry by eating knowledge for your head to reproduce to others to fascinate them with some stolen bread that's sweet 
You know the verse in Proverbs? Stolen bread is sweet, meaning you have no intentions of bearing fruit. You want all this knowledge to start a ministry and make money. Stolen bread. In the ghetto, they call money bread. Stolen bread. And they're stealing because they're stealing from the glory of God. They're wanting the information for self, which is actually Kabbalah, having all the knowledge of the glory, but having no sacrifice of heart and using it for self. Now you're exactly like the fallen angels. That's how the fallen angels, that's how Satan and the angels are. They have all, he was a covering cherubim, Ezekiel 28. He had all the knowledge and all the revelation. He had the most revelation of any angel. I've heard a lot of prophets say that. That Lucifer had the most revelation of any angel because he was the covering cherubim right over the father's head. He had the most revelation. When he fell, he used that revelation to start his own kingdom, the kingdom of hell. And he even deceived Adam and Eve into the kingdom of the flesh with revelation, stolen bread. Wow. I deal with it at 600 to 1. Stolen bread ministry to true apostolic ministry that only cares about Christ's kingdom, building your spirits up to live on the top of the mountain in the glory of the city of New Jerusalem. Make sure your hearts are clean, otherwise stolen bread will get you destroyed. And it's severe because God is not tolerating Judas Iscariot activity anymore. He's not tolerating Ananias and Sapphira activity anymore. He's not tolerating religion. You will be struck down with lightning. You know, you will be destroyed. I mean, we've already seen hundreds of people physically die and be buried in the dirt. And I've only been doing this 13 years, and I'm sure there's thousands more I don't know about. And I'm grieved all the time. I weep over the lost. I am so sad to see people destroy themselves because they're not willing to give their hearts to Jesus. They're not willing to let love come into their hearts. And they insist on pride. Pride is your covenant with Satan. That's why you're still so messed up in religion and so poor and so needy and at strife and jealous. That's the devil. That's Satan's pride. And you drink the new wine and you realize, God loves me and it's not based on my performance. There's enough anointing of prosperity here to set my soul free from strife that I don't need to go to Satan anymore to beat up others to make myself look good. You know what I mean? No, there's apostolic correction and there's all kinds of stuff that Paul's doing in the Bible to attack false leaders and attack wolves and sheep's clothing and attack the, the group of the circumcision and the Judaizers coming around and they want you to have that external Kabbalah light because they want Satan, you know, they want, they want your money, they want the control of your flesh and they're all a bunch of vi vipers. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs of brood of vipers and the sons of Satan. Wow! That external realm of Kabbalah religion, of all religions of the natural dimension, that's Satan and his angels working through all religions of the external realm to control and manipulate your five physical senses so you can be good by knowledge or performance. That's what it boils down to. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that Adam and Eve ate from and died. So now we just repent of that whole system of Satan and his angels and all that false revelation, false knowledge, all that dead letter, all that white tongues, all that witchcraft. We throw it into the lake of fire and we get into the knowledge of the glory. We get into the tree of life. We get into grace. And we grow in the spirit of grace. And we grow in the new wine. We grow in intimacy. And our hearts awaken. And we begin to fall in love. And we see and know the goodness of God. And then we can actually be a witness of the glory. We can be a true Christian, which means an anointed one. Christians, anointed ones, plural. 
They were first called anointed ones in Antioch. Wow. So he's the first anointed one of many anointed ones to follow. Duh. Why do you think he gave us the torch at Pentecost? What are you even doing? Grow in the anointing. In Psalms, it's called growing from strength to strength. How do you do it? You rely on the anointing, the, the tree of life. You rely on Jesus in you. And if you don't have faith, what? You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and you get your faith authored and you get your faith perfected. Of course, we have to relearn how to walk and talk like little children after we're born again. And you have to stay humble and teachable, clay in the potter's hands, and trust the master potter, and keep letting him fill you day after day, month after month, year after year, with fresh oil and new wine. And that's what produces mature huyos, sons of God, known as the Sanhedrin of Heavenly Jerusalem. We love you guys. Be blessed. Partner with Red Letter Ministries. Donate to RedLetterMen.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen.